0: In Proverbs chapter four, beginning at verse twenty My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Give me a second here. Do not let them depart from your sight, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray for the illumination preaching of God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we pray as we come that you would teach us the mighty things of the Lord. Teach, Teach us what we ought to believe concerning you. Teach us how we ought to live our lives to the glory of your great name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, perhaps you've heard the term, surely you parents have heard the term, maybe you older parents, I don't know if it's a term that's used too often today, you've heard of the term helicopter parents. Now we don't take that literally, of course. We don't uh, look around the room uh, waiting for our parents to sprout um, uh, propellers from their head and begin to fly around the room helicopter parent is a concept used for parents who seem to be overly protective. and that overprotection can be at any age for the child. For example, a, a, a young adult it doesn't have to be a uh, again a toddler or a 10 a, 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 a year old or it could be a, it could be a 20 year old, uh, even someone who is not at home anymore. Parents still want to know, even after their sons and the daughters leave home, they still want to know where their son is, what their son is doing, son or daughter, what time their son or daughter is coming home, who their son or daughter is hanging out with. Of course, the list could go on. These are, again, helicopter parents want to know all the details. They want to know these things, helicopter parents, because they are... Helicopter parents, overly protective. That's why they call them helicopter parents. Now, with that terminology, of course, you can understand that we, we all, uh, maybe uh, our parents, uh, have, been ex- have experienced that. We all are protective. But there is a, that terminology is used, again, for overly protective parents. But maybe it could be said of all of us that we are helicopter People, maybe you're not a parent, but we're helicopter people. We are people who are overly protective. We protect our homes and everything in it in a variety of ways. We have homeowner's insurance, and I'm not saying these things are bad, of course, or that you shouldn't have them. We have homeowner's insurance, we have cameras, we have alarms. Some of you carry firearms or have firearms in your home. For furniture we have, we purchase the protection plan. And then when we bring the furniture home, we put on Guard to protect it. In the world of sports, of course, we have helmets to protect heads. We are increasingly needing to protect our identity. Our credit cards from uh, identity theft or, or credit card theft, we protect ourselves uh, from uh, fires. We have fire prevention to protect ourselves in case of a fire. There are police departments that protect our communities. It wasn't that long ago. recently I had a message come through my phone that said this: "Don't miss out!" Of course, with an exclamation point, "Don't miss out." Protect your photos, protect your videos, and more with Verizon Cloud. Of course, the list could go on. The list of things that we protect could go on and on and on. Again, I'm not necessarily criticizing these things. Uh, Maybe, although, again, maybe we are a bit overly protective in some areas. It seems like we are willing to protect everything... Willing to protect everything and anything. But, are you willing? And if you do, or if you are, are you willing? And if you are, if you are willing, how far do you go to protect your heart? are you willing to go and protect your heart? To keep your heart? To guard your heart? That's what our passage is all about this morning. Keeping the heart with all diligence. Now, some of the context of our passage is a father. Can't go back and do everything that needs to be done. But a father pleading with and warning a son, pleading with him to do what? to seek wisdom, to go after wisdom, to pursue wisdom, warning him not to hang out with the foolish. The contrast is there in the book of Proverbs. It's there in in Psalm 1. You have the blessed man, then you have the wicked man. In in the book of Proverbs, you have the son, and then you have the foolish. And it is the foolish man that that the father is warning the son, to avoid do not follow the foolish man do not follow the ways of the foolish and what is first and foremost in seeking wisdom seeking godly wisdom seeking true wisdom is to fear the lord the god of heaven and earth we see that in chapter 1 verse 7 the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom he is the only one Dear brethren, that you are to fear, to reverence, to all, to worship, to know. Someone said it this way. Knowing God, and remember what I said this morning in Sunday school, to know God is to know about God. And we need to know about God rightly. We need to rightly know about God, know God in the right way. We don't want to believe wrong things about God. We don't want to believe wrong things, and we don't want to speak wrong things about God, so we need to be in his word. But someone said this, to know God is what causes our hearts to rise up and praise God. To know God causes us to rise up and praise God. To know him is to fear him, again, and there is only one that we need to fear. And then bit by bit, in various ways, Solomon exhorts his son to live with wisdom and to flee the ways of the foolish. There is the way that leads to life. There is the way of wisdom, the way of life, and then there is the way that leads to death. Again, you see this all over Scripture. see it in Psalm 1 there, the contrast between the blessed man And the wicked man, there are only two types of people in this world. We we put different terminology on them. Believer and unbeliever. Those who are in Christ, those who are not. The foolish, the wise, so on and so forth. So there's a way that leads to life and a way that leads to death. It's a congregation. Follow the way or as as uh, Solomon is saying son my son follow the way congregation we're to follow the way follow the truth follow the life over and over again we get this exhortation we could sum it up by saying this couldn't we call upon the name of the lord <laughs> call upon the name of the lord fix your eyes on jesus believe in the lord jesus christ and you shall be saved saved from the sin and misery, saved from the guilt and the pollution of sin, saved from a twisted and confused mind, saved from believing and living a lie, saved to look more and more like the great shepherd of our souls, Jesus Christ, who is altogether lovely. Dear brethren, have you rested? Have you trusted in this great shepherd? What is it, dear brethren, that would keep you? What is it that would keep you from running to this great shepherd, this shepherd who is altogether lovely? For he will rescue you. He will sanctify you. He will comfort you and he will receive you into glory. Dear brother. there is an urgency to the message. There is an urgency to the gospel call. And you know why? Because you don't know when you will pass from this life into the next and so the call is that today is the day of salvation. And in part, it's this as well. That you don't want to waste another minute of your life without knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord. Solomon says it elsewhere. In Ecclesiastes, temporary, temporary, all is temporary. Temporary. He puts it this way. Most translations put it this way vanity, vanity, all is vanity, right? At the beginning there. Chapter 12, though, of Ecclesiastes vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And then it talks about dying, talks about death. My Hebrew professor, and I have no reason to disagree with him, he says he would translate that temporary. Temporary, temporary. All is temporary. And then you have the description of dying. You have the description of death. So don't squander this life that God has given you by rebelling against him. Come to him, rest in him, live in him, taste and see, dear brother, that the Lord, he is good. There is urgency, again, to the gospel call. There's urgency here in our text. You can hear it in the ESV or other translations as Uh, The ESV uses the word vigilance. Listen to some other translations, though. The NIV, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, they interpret this, or, or translate this, not interpret it. Above all else, or above every charge. Other translations use the word diligence, with all diligence. So above all else, or with all diligence, guard your Heart, here's what Solomon is saying. Make this, make this one thing a priority, a priority in your life. In fact, it should be the most important thing in the life of a Christian. This is what Solomon is saying. Make this, make what? Make guarding your heart a priority in your life. It is the most important thing that you could do. That you guard that you guard your heart, that you watch over your heart, that you would oversee your heart, that you would shield your heart, that you, as we began with, that you would protect your hearts, Dear brethren, as you read through the book of Proverbs, as you read through this section here even, you find no laziness. <laughs> you find no passivity. These are action, words, Take action, do something, make it a priority here and now. Don't wait. Listen, my son, to my instructions. Listen, congregation, to the instruction of the Lord. Your body and your soul is at stake. Solomon is saying to his son and to us. So, what's so important to protect? What is so important? To protect this, Solomon says that it's a top priority. Make it a top priority. With all diligence, protect your heart. Well, it's the heart, right? It's the heart. Guard, we're to guard the heart. The heart is top priority for the Christian. The heart is addressed in other passages, in Proverbs, such as Proverbs 3, five. We are familiar with that verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. The word heart is used around... 1,006 times in the Bible. Sometimes referring, of course, to the organ in the body, but more often than not, it's talking about the inner man. The inner life of a man. The governing center of a man. Here's how one person summed it up. An OPC pastor, Craig Choxel, wrote a book on the heart. He says this, we use When used simply, it reflects the unity. When used simply, when used the, the heart, When used simply, it reflects the unity of the inner being. And when used comprehensively, it describes the complexity of the inner being as composed of mind, desires, and will. All right, let me read that again. When used simply, it reflects the unity of the inner being, and when used comprehensively, it it describes the complexity of the inner being as uh, refers to the mind. What we know, how we know it... Our desires, what we love, and our will, what we choose. So we have a heart. We have the physical uh, organ that pumps blood, but we have the, the inner life of the man, and it is a priority for us to guard it. But who is it that's supposed to guard their heart? The context again is Solomon here Solomon speaking to. His son, not just speaking, he's pleading, right? He's pleading with his son over and over again. Verse 1 of this chapter, Hear, O son, a father's instruction. Verse 10, Hear, my son, and accept my words. Verse 20, My son, be attentive to my words. And then you go to chapter 3, My son, do not forget my teaching. Again, he's pleading with his son. Chapter 5, verse 1, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. So whether you go back in chapters or forward in chapters, there is a constant drumbeat by Solomon from a father to his son to protect their hearts. The almost monotonous regularity, as someone said over and over again pleading my son listen listen to my instructions listen don't let your father's and mother's instructions flee from you Sodom and pleaded with his son to pay attention and he's saying here to guard your heart well of course the scriptures don't stop there let's bring it into our context a bit And I know of only one teaching elder here in our context, but let's bring it into our context the elders of the church. So maybe now, but maybe into the future, both teaching elder and ruling elder, deacon as well, we're talking about those who are serving in office, they're to guard their heart. Paul said it this way. Those who are serving as Elders, ruling elders, pay close attention to your life and doctrine. Pay close attention to your life and doctrine. What you teach, how you teach, even who you're going to teach, your life, how you're living, pursuing holiness. Are you being an example to the flock of God? That, that you know, God has made overseers, he, is, he has called men to oversee the church, are they protecting their own heart, their own minds? Are they are they repenting of sin when they sin? Turning from the Lord, I'm sorry, turning to the Lord, turning from sin, turning to the Lord, pursuing holiness, being an example to the people of God. We're to be, aren't we? Teaching other, ruling other, deacon, doesn't matter you're serving an office, you're to be an example to the flock of God. So we when we repent or when we sin, we repent. As far as it depends upon us protecting the church from false doctrine, false practice. It seems as though, it depends on what context you're in, that the elders are very good at protecting against false teaching false teaching, and, and false practice. But again... Paul says this to the elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Teaching elders, ruling elders, deacons, those who serve in office need to be shepherded as well. But what about the congregation as a whole? Surely this plea again is to guard your heart with all diligence. And the plea in the original context Solomon to a son, but surely for every one of us. Here's what Paul says in Galatians 6:1, "Keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted." So guard your heart. Keep watch over your heart, guard your heart. He says elsewhere to flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Again, guard your heart. What about your life and your doctrine? It would be no different. There may be different, there are certainly qualifications to serve in an office, but the guarding of the heart, the protecting of the heart is no different for you than it is for anyone serving in office. You are to guard your heart, guard your life, guard your doctrine. And so let me ask you, as I did this morning in Sunday school, I know some of you weren't here. Are we believing the right things? Are you pursuing the right things? Are you pursuing good theology? Are you pursuing holiness of life? Are you turning away from the world, the flesh, and the devil? Are you guarding your heart? The elders have a responsibility to guard their own heart. They're to shepherd the flock of God. But every single one of us has application Application flows from this text and other texts that I've mentioned, to guard our hearts. Above everything else, above all else, with all diligence, guard your heart. So the scriptures are clear. This is what we are to do. But now the question is is this. When is it that we are to protect our heart? When do we guard our heart? And the answer, of course, has to be, it must be this at all times. All times. We are to never let our guard down. You know the verse, well, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There should never be a time, never be a time that we're not watching over our hearts, whether in prosperity or adversity. When we're doubting, when we are suffering. During death, in the suffering and death of others, when you're alone, when you're in a crowd, above all else, with all vigilance, with all diligence, guard your heart always. Don't let your guard down. Equip yourself always with the armor of God. Alone or in public, it doesn't matter, you know, I know you know very well how easy it is to be drawn away from the Lord because Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. Our flesh, we don't need to always blame blame Satan. Our flesh draws us away. We need to protect our hearts. Well the rest of verse twenty four gives the reason regarding our hearts. We have the command, the imperative. Guard your heart with all diligence. And then the reason, for from it flow the springs of life. And so this is why it's important. This is why it's important to guard your heart. This is why there's urgency to guarding your heart. So goes the heart. So goes the man. We're not just a bag of flesh and bones that live and move on their own. There's the outer man and the inner man. The inner man, our text calls, the heart. So out of the heart, we live. Out of the heart, we do this, we do that, whatever it would be. Out of the heart, we sing. Out of the heart, we encourage and comfort others. Jesus said it this way, didn't he? Out of the heart, or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For the tree, or people, people are known by their fruits. The tree is known by its fruit. The people are known by their fruit. It's an overflowing of, of, of the mind, overflowing of the desires, overflowing of the will. Remember, that's, that's what Craig Choxel calls the heart. Mind, will, desires, as it's bundled together, is the heart. It's from the heart that we live our lives, whether in public or in private. It's out of the heart. That yes, we comfort and encourage. It's out of the heart that we sin. It's out of the heart that we say no to God. It's out of the heart that we play the part of God or seek to play the part of God. It's out of the heart that, we, that our lives are full of idols. Calvin said this, you're familiar with this probably, that the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. It's out of the heart that we don't bear or carry God's name well. It's out of the heart that we don't keep the Sabbath day holy. It's out of the heart that we break the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments. An examination of the heart, of course, would cause us to be condemned, enough to condemn us. So, dear brethren, how well do you know your heart? How well do you know your heart? How often do you examine your heart? What are you cramming into your heart? Darkness or light? Godly things or worldly things? And by worldly things there, I don't mean water or eating that they could be an idol, those kind of things could be idols, but that's not what I mean, philosophies of this world. The influence, what is influencing your heart? Godly things or things of the world? Holy things or sinful things or just worthless things, are the things that aren't... And you know, those who are on Facebook, not everybody is on Facebook, you know how worthless... That could be at times. I'm not saying it's always worthless. But how worthless it is, is you're scrolling for an hour or clicking this video and that takes you to another video, takes you to another video. Soon enough, you're on there an hour and you have no clue what you just did. Worthless things. What are you filling your heart with? Do you think that God doesn't know? You think that God doesn't know? I trust you to think that way. That God does know. He knows what you are putting in your heart. He knows your heart. He knows what you're putting into your heart. But do you think the people can't tell? Do you think the people of God can't tell what you're putting in your heart? You may be hide it for a time, but surely it's going to flow. It's going to come out. Can you tell the difference yourself? Can you tell the difference yourself when you are cramming your heart with light or with darkness? When you're saturating your heart with godly things or the things of this world, can you tell the difference about yourself, about your own heart? Can you see the difference with others? Dear brethren, I must say this, if you cannot see the difference, and we all do this, We all sin. Right? We all sin. John is writing to folks who sin. If you sin, when you sin, you seek the Lord for forgiveness. But can you see the difference? Can you discern the difference between the influence of either the word or the world? And if you can't see the difference when you're filling your heart with darkness, when you're filling your heart with light, if you can't see the difference in your own life as you examine your heart, there's probably, dear a greater issue, probably a different problem. And so we cry out, don't we? We ought to cry out, who would deliver me from this heart? Who would deliver me from... That's this world that's full of sin and wickedness, full of the paths of life. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul says, cries out. He doesn't leave it there, right? He doesn't leave it at that point. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's who will deliver us. That's who has delivered us and will continue to deliver us as he sanctifies us as he allows us, as he opens up our lives at various times in our life, revealing to us the sin and miseries that we still have within us. As He sanctifies us as we are, are, are putting those things to death, and he reveals more sin to us. So we confess it and we put it to death. Martin Luther said this, in the, I believe, in the 95 Thesis, I believe the very first one, that life, all of life, is one of repentance. That we repent all our life. Turning from our sin and turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's Christ who will deliver us. And he does so by his word and his spirit. Come to him. Come to him who will shepherd your heart back to health that your mind, that your will, that your desires would be for that which is good, right, and true for the glory of God. So I would say this, circling back (laughs) to the very beginning. We ought to be helicopter people regarding our own heart. We ought to be overly protective people regarding our heart. Watch your heart. Guard your heart. Above all else, with all diligence, guard your heart. Amen. Let's pray. Our good and gracious God, again, we bless your name. We bless you for the instruction of your word. We bless you for your word, Lord. It tells us, that explains to us how we as believers are to live our lives. We are free, O God, from sin, the misery of sin, the guilt, the power of sin, free to live for you, putting sin to death and pursuing holiness and righteousness and peace. We ask, O God, that you would do that for us, that you would help us by the power of your Spirit. Enable us, O Lord, to guard our hearts, put sin to death, to flee from sin and pursue righteousness all the days of our life in praise and thanks to you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.